At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying his word together. Today, we invite you to tune in for our current series, Reveal, Stories with Purpose as we study the parables of Jesus, reading stories with the power to reveal God's truth in our lives. I'm excited uh, to be, be able to continue on our series this morning with you guys. Uh, again, my name is Caleb. I kind of get to lead out kids and students here at our campus. Uh, J- Pastor Jacob will be back next week. I know some of you guys were looking forward or expecting to, to hear from him. Uh, I'm sorry you're stuck with me. I say the word stuck and I understand that like you have the next like 25 to 30 minutes to understand if that's the real word that you want to stay with or we can come up with some other words after today. But I'm really excited to be able to share this message with you guys this morning. Uh, and I say share because I think it's something that is on my heart that God's impressed upon me this morning. Uh, but know that as I worked through the, this week, it was something that I um, had to work through. This was, this was a tough one for me as I uh, got to dive into what God has for us today. So we're continuing our series. This is a five-week series. We finish up next week, and then we'll start a new one on July 19th. But this is, a four, this is the fourth week of our series called Revealed Stories with a Purpose. We're talking about different parables, or we're looking at different parables in the uh, book of Luke. If you guys have your Bibles with me, uh, I'm going to just kind of tell you the passage we'll, where we're going to be in, so you guys can go there now, and then we'll kind of be diving into it holistically this morning. But Luke 18.9. So if you guys have your Bibles, go to Luke 18.9. Don't worry. If not, it's going to be up here on the screen. But in, in this passage, we really look at two main characters. Jesus really talks about two different characters in this. And I'm just going to tell you right now, these characters could not be any more opposite. What I mean by that is one's a Pharisee, one's a tax collector. If you spent any time reading the Gospels, you've probably heard of these characters. these two different groups of people. One, a Pharisee, is a very religious person. There's somebody who follows the Old Testament law to a T. They do everything they are supposed to when it comes to the rules of how to follow God. Maybe you think of somebody in maybe this church that you come to mind, like, man, like, these are the people that do everything they're supposed to. And then on the flip side of that is a tax collector. Tax collectors are people that were looked down upon, they were looked at people, uh, they didn't have a lot of friends. They were looked at people, at, uh, they were, people looked at them as, as thieves because a lot of the times, most of the times, they stole money or when they collected taxes, they kind of stole some money on top of that and kept it for themselves. They were known as greedy individuals. But, I, but Jesus has something to teach us in this passage. As we read this parable today, uh, I hope we, we, we can learn together through this. But Luke 18.9 says this, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were made righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like, I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like the tax collectors. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled." 
but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I think this morning, I kind of want to framework again these two characters. One was really, really eager to, to go into the temple to pray. I think we need to kind of first understand what the temple was. The temple in this time really had three different parts. We're going to focus on two of them this morning. One was the, the sanctuary aspect to it that only Jews were allowed to enter. If you were a Gentile, you were not allowed to go into that, that section of the sanctuary or that section of the temple. Kind of, uh, if you were to imagine like a schoolyard, that would be like inside the school building itself. Nobody really wanted to go to the principal's office anyways. And then most schools have like fences around them or like play areas or play structures. That would be the outer part of the, uh, the temple. Still considered part of the temple, but it was normally just like a gated area, and that's where Gentiles had to worship. That's actually where I believe the, the tax collector was at. Because he had so much shame that he didn't even want to enter the sanctuary aspect of the temple. But the Pharisee, on the other hand, the Pharisee was so incredibly excited, he was eager, he was running to break inside of that temple to pray. Because he had, as we saw, a whole list of different things that he wants to tell everybody about. Or he wants to tell God. It's kind of funny because God already knows, but that's a different story. But we see that this guy goes into prayer and he says, Oh God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, thieves and sinners. I'm actually thanking you that like, I'm not like this other guy who's outside getting ready to pray. Thanks for not making me like him. And he goes on and on about all the things that he has done and the things that justifies him to be able to pray to God and to be justified and to be accepted by God. But man, the tax collector, his journey was a little different. It's probably a little bit slower to enter. Probably didn't have a whole lot of eagerness to actually go in to pray. Even his posture says it all. It literally says, and standing far off. Like he, his posture in this moment has nothing to say, like no eagerness in it, that like he's excited to go and pray. So here's this passage. It's, it's a pretty powerful message this morning, and I was praying through this week, and I'm just going to be open and, and honest with you guys. I, if you guys have spent any time reading the Gospels or reading the parables, there's probably a favorite parable or like one that you resonate the most with. If I had to guess, it's not this one, right? There's a lot of parables that get talked about a lot more than what this one does. And this week I was talking to my sister, uh, my older sister, which, man, can we just thank the Lord for older sisters and brothers who have a lot more wisdom and can speak truth into you? Um, I'm so incredibly thankful for my sister, partly because she spoke a lot of truth into me this week. Uh, and I shared, and she knew I was preaching, and she's like, are you excited? I'm like, I am. I'm not really excited for this passage. And she's like, but Caleb, the church needs to hear this message. And it's this message of the posture that we're supposed to take. And I was like, oh yeah, like, <laughs> thanks. I need to hear that today. Like, I need to hear this message of the posture that we're supposed to take. The posture we're supposed to take because there's two different ways that we can approach God. And we see that depicted by the Pharisee and by the tax collector. There's two different ways that we can approach God. In verse 9, Luke comments, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. 
the Pharisee believed he was righteous. If you look at the Old Testament law or the Mosaic law, there's one day a year where you're supposed to fast. One day was what we read in this passage. He fasted twice a week, which is a lot more than once a year. He fasted over a hundred times a year. I know for some of us, we probably could not do that uh, a couple times, let alone a hundred times. Maybe some of you guys could today because you realize like yesterday on the 4th of July, you guys ate way too much food. And so you're like, I'm actually kind of still in a food coma, so I don't need to eat anything today. But like that's crazy to think about that he thought he was so good that he's like, guess what? This is the law. This is what I'm supposed to do. But actually, I'm better than that. So this is what I'm actually going to do. He did it with his tithing. He did it with his actions. But he, he thought he was righteous enough. It's crazy how, how it's called out here, kind of before the intro to the verse. is calling out people like the Pharisees, and then, he call, and then the story is about a Pharisee. But it's interesting in this that Luke 9 continues. He told this parable to some who trusted themselves that they were righteous. And then there's a little comma, and I think this part's extremely important. And treated others with contempt. Those two things go hand in hand. That when we believe that we're made righteous, so often that when we do that, we treat others with contempt. And I think the church, we do this a lot. Where we think we're good enough, and, and when we've hit a certain point, then actually we, we have the right, we have the authority to speak down on others for what they do or they don't do or how they live their life. But man, I love that this passage has that five words in it. Are those five words that he treated others with contempt. Because I think it, it goes hand in hand. That when we believe that we've been made righteous, that we treat others with contempt. And I think far too often we do that. So approaching God with confidence and arrogance leads to treating others with disdain. So during this prayer we see in verse 11, what the Pharisee has to say. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like the tax collector. We see that the tax collector was standing far off. We see the eagerness, and actually who Jesus talks about first in this story is the Pharisee. So the Pharisee's here praying the tax collector standing far off. And man, he has the guts to literally say, like, God, thank you that I'm not like him. And he did so in a really bold manner. And some of you here today, and I say some of you, and I actually need to change that statement to, to some of us, and I say us because I've been in this place, or maybe like you don't feel like you call out somebody like that. Like, hey, I want to actually do that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that about somebody else like that. But actually in the way that we speak, we do. The way that we share our opinions on, on social media, the way we talk about certain things, it actually does condone their actions. Man, 
I don't know about you guys, but I've seen it way too much on social media of just like Christians going back and forth and Christians and non-Christians just having at it over something that is important, but it's the way that we approach it. So that's the first day that we can approach God. Impressed, arrogant, feels like we have all the answers. And it, but this type would be exposed really quickly. If you died today and you faced God in judgment, would he let you in? And if you ask the question, what have you done to justify yourself to get into heaven, what would your answers be? For some of you, you understand that like, when you, when you hear that, like, oh, like, I, I believe in God, you, you have a lot of answers. And maybe your first answer wouldn't be because I'm good enough or my church attendance is good enough, or I give enough, or I'm not like this guy, or I'm not like that family, or I, like, I am a good coworker, whatever it may be, that may not be your first answer, but my question here this morning, is it an answer? Would it be on your list of checks to be able to get into heaven? Probably would be on mine, if I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I, I would, there's moments in my life, there's times in my life where I probably would where I am like the Pharisee in this, that I talk about myself, I talk about the things that I have done, rather than taking the approach of the tax collector. There's another way to approach God, and that's an approach of humility. Again, we see that in the posture of the tax collector. The very first six words of verse 13 but the tax collector standing far off. Literally, it's a, it's a posture of humility, a posture of waiting, a posture of listening. He's being slow to speak. I think through, and again, I'm thankful for brothers and sisters that I get to learn from. My little sister didn't get in much trouble. Actually, I should say she hasn't gotten much trouble. She's still in high school. She hasn't gotten in much trouble because she had four older brothers and sisters that she got to what? Stand far off and watch. If you're a little brother and sister in here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You got to learn, or hopefully you learned, from your brothers and sisters. I think that's what the tax collector's doing here. He's taking a posture of humility of like, hey, like I don't have the answers. I know I'm not like the Pharisee. I know I don't follow all these things. But guess what? Like, I'm just going to sit here and watch out for a fly. But he's taking this posture of humility that just says like, like I'm going to learn, I'm going to listen into what you have to say, and then I'm going to respond. Maybe you've experienced this kind of dynamic. I'm going to ask uh, you guys a question. And again, I need your guys' energy this morning. Uh, so I'm going to give you guys a, a second to think about it, but I need you guys to think about who your favorite Disney character is. I know for some of you that's changed in the last couple months, maybe not the last couple months, but maybe the last couple of years as Frozen has come onto the scene. Uh, I'm going to be honest, I've never seen Frozen. Uh, I know I probably should. I probably should have watched it in this quarantine period, but I still haven't. Um, so do me a favor. On the count of three, everybody tell me your favorite Disney character. And if you don't say it loud enough where I can actually hear, I'm going to have to do it again. Does it make sense? So on the count of three, everybody tell me your favorite Disney character. Ready? 
One, two, three. Okay, I, I heard a couple of them. If you were a kid, some of you guys are kids, if you're like four or five, six, and you're at Disney World, parents, some of you guys will understand where I'm coming from in this. Sometimes you want to meet your favorite Disney character. You're super eager. You're excited to see your favorite Disney character. Parents, sometimes you've waited in long, long lines where it's hot, and then you had to buy like seven ice cream cones along the way of the line just to kind of pass the time before you were able to get a picture or maybe get an autograph with Elsa or Olaf or Anna or whoever that person is. And then you get there, and then before you know it, the parent's like, where's my kid? And they're actually like, they're hiding behind you. They're standing far off because they're nervous. They're scared. They feel like, who am I to get my picture with Buzz Lightyear? Like, there's that posture of like, man, like, who am I? Like, I don't, I'm not good enough to like see this person. I'm not good enough for that. Some, some of you adults, maybe you're like that with like your favorite celebrity. Where like you were like, man, I would love to meet this person. But then like you actually have the ability to meet them and you're like, I don't know if I can do this. You're, you're nervous. There's tension there where like, I'll let somebody else take the picture or get the autograph. But like, I don't know if I'm good enough. And that's the posture of the tax collector. He doesn't think he's good enough. He doesn't think he's good enough to be in the presence of God. That's why he stands far off. Same again in verse 13, it says this, but the tax collector standing off, far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven. Man, there's shame there. There's so much shame there in that verse, in those couple words. He would not even lift his eyes to heaven. Again, I think through uh, uh, kids where sometimes you may or may not have done something uh, that you weren't supposed to. Maybe you're three or four years old and you snuck a couple cookies out of the cookie jar and mom and dad calls you into the kitchen like so-and-so, hey, come here. And you come in there and like you know you're in trouble. Like you know right off the get-go. They're like, oh no, they know. Sometimes you don't even come in the room because you're, there's so much shame associated with that. Other times, I know oh, my little sister did this. She's 10 years younger than I am so I can kind of laugh about it now. Um, anytime... She knew she was going to get in trouble every single time. She looked away. She, like, mom, my mom and dad would be over there, like, kind of talking to her, encouraging her, like, kind of trying to get to the bottom of it. And she's like, nope, not talking to you. And, like, just facing the complete, because there's shame associated with that. Sometimes kids, like, will hide their face. They'll hide underneath their bed. Yes, let's be honest, they don't hide really well. Sometimes their toes are sticking out. But they're four and five years old. Like, we can understand. We can give them a break. That's what's happening here. There's guilt and there's shame associated with that. And we see that. We see that in Genesis 2. We see that in Genesis 2 where Adam and Eve were in the, in the garden. They had no shame. They were naked. They were living the best life. Didn't last very long since it was only the second chapter of the, of the book. And right away, in the third chapter, there was sin that entered the world. And the very first thing that he did is What? They ran and hid and they sewed fig leaves to put clothes on because of what? Their shame. So sh shame starts to set in and it starts to eat at us. It starts to cover us because we're like, we, we're, we feel like we can't expose ourselves 
to who God is or like, hey, like, he can't know this about me. But that's the approach that the tax collector had. But finally, uh, and again, verse 13 has a lot in it, but the end of verse 13 says, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast. Now this word beat here is translated not to like a soft tapping. This is a very, very forceful action. There's a lot of raw emotion. It's violent. Uh, something, a story that maybe will help depict this is I think I have a picture of me squeezing to death. Maybe not. Yeah, me squeezing. Like I feel like, so this is me. I played college football. Wasn't very good. We'll get to that in a second. But I have an opportunity here to score a touchdown. Obviously, you can see I'm not in the touchdown. I'm mad. And so, like, I'm about to, like, pop this football because of how mad I am, how humiliated, how frustrated with myself I am. So here's the story. Again, I, I'm going to preface this. I wasn't very good, but I did play. So it was, like, kind of cool. Uh, sophomore year, uh, again, let me just say this again. I wasn't very good. So I only played on special teams. I didn't actually get to play uh, on offense or defense. I played special teams. And I had the opportunity uh, against this really good team out in Iowa where I was on punt block. For whatever reason, do not know why. I don't know if the guy, what, whatever happened. He was supposed to block me. He didn't. I got really lucky. Lucky number one. I went straight through the line. I was going to go block the kick. Second lucky thing. I don't know what, what, what happened. I don't know if the punter was scared of me. Probably not. But he dropped it. He goes to kick the ball and just completely drops it. And I was like, oh man, this is my day. I'm going to be the hero of the story. And I go to pick up the football. I pick it up. And again, if you guys don't know anything about punters, I'm not like the smallest guy. I'm not the biggest guy. I was a little bit bigger back then than I am now. Still trying to lose some of my uh, football playing weight and spend a couple years. We'll get there. But punters, if you don't know anything about them, are normally small. Not the strongest people on the team. They have one job, and that's to kick the football, and that's it. They don't need to tackle anybody. They don't need to catch. They don't need to do anything. They need to literally kick, kick the football. So, like, I'm a lot bigger than this punter. So I'm like, great. I got the football. There's nobody in front of me. I'm like, sweet. I'm going to score a touchdown. We're going to win the game. It's going to be the best day ever. Take two steps. Next thing I know, here I go, and I fall straight on my face because the punter tripped me. And man, I got razzed on that. I still, one of my buddies, uh, we still talk about it because he was right behind me. He's like, dude, just toss me the ball. Like, do anything. Like, fumble it again and we'll score, we'll win. Like, don't do anything. And that picture shows like just some raw emotion because I was frustrated. I was upset. I was humiliated because like this guy, by all means, should have not been able to tackle me. But he did. And that's what I think this Hopefully that will help depict what this tax collector is feeling. He's like, by all means, God, I am not good enough to be in your presence. I am not good enough to even look at the heavens to see you. And so he just starts to beat his chest forcefully because of the shame, because of who he thought he was. Now I think it's important for us to know that in this, this posture, God is, or Jesus is not de de depicting self-harm. That, that there's, there's a separation in that. That this is, he just wants to, to start to, in a couple words, depict this sense of raw emotion that this guy feels in this moment. 
And then we see, unlike the Pharisee, the tax collector says very, very few words. He doesn't talk about what he's done. He doesn't talk about what qualifies him. He doesn't talk about what qualifies him or justifies him in regards to other people. He says these couple words. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's it. So he talked about who God was, that he was good enough to have mercy on him. He was asking for something. And he described himself in one, two words, a sinner. So Jesus reveals these two very different ways of approaching him. One, relying on yourself, trusting in yourself. You trying to justify yourself. And the other, broken. Realizing that there's nothing that you can do to accept it and being at the mercy of God. And we realize that, and we see, we're going to see this in verse 14, that the way of the kingdom is a heart matter. Say that again. The way of the kingdom is a heart matter in that we see that, and Jesus lays out this parable, and this is what he says in verse 14. I tell you, this man, he's referring to the tax collector who he just got done talking about, went down to his house justified rather than the other. Jesus cares about the heart. He cares about the heart. So Jesus leaves no question about it. There's no questions asked. He's, he, he makes it very clear that the man who's justified in this picture is the tax collector, not the Pharisee. It's the tax collector who didn't obey the law, who didn't do the things that he was supposed to, who cheated, who stole, who lied. But it's his heart that justified him. Other than the Pharisee, the one who did everything that he was supposed to be doing, but his heart wasn't aligned to what God wanted him to. And I think it's important for us to understand what to be justified means. The tax collector was justified the word justified means God declared him righteous in his sight regardless of what he did. To be made right in God's eyes, to be made right in God's sight regardless of your actions. I mean, that's Christianity, isn't it? God died for you before you did anything. I want to be honest. I'm, I'm glad that's the story of Christianity. Because I haven't done enough. I'll never be able to do enough to justify myself. None of us have. Maybe you're like, hey, I, I've lived a pretty good life currently. But to whose standards? To your own standards? To the standards of the person next to you? The person that you bash on social media? Yeah, maybe to those standards you've lived a great life. But not to God's. Not to who's the mercy you're going to be at. I mean, I'm so glad that I don't have to justify myself because I, I couldn't and I never would be able to. So we see the continue on in 14. 
For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You see that this is the problem for the Pharisee. It's the same problem for all of us. He exalted himself. How often have we exalted ourselves? We live-streamed the 10 o'clock service, which I was excited for, but not super excited for because my parents were able to watch. And man, like if you were to ask them, oh man, there was so many times where I exalted myself for instant gratification. Whether it was something I did in school or put my brother down, whatever it may be, or it was, or we still do that. I say we because we probably all do that. We exalt ourselves currently for whatever it may be, and we completely disregard eternity. But if you are justified, if you are exalted in this life, God is going to humble you in the next. If you are humbled in this life, God will exalt you in the next. I think in this, we see the, the polar opposites. We see a very, very different side of the tax collector. Broken, an aspect that he understood that he didn't have the answers. We see that God justified him because of his heart. So I asked you a question this morning. What qualifies you? What qualifies you? Are you trusting in your church attendance? Again, I, I hope not. In the last four or five months, uh, church attendance was pretty, pretty rough for most of us. So I hope it wasn't that. Because we weren't able to gather in this place. Maybe it's your tithing. Maybe it's your giving. Maybe it's, your just, maybe it's the way that you're generous with the things that you have. Maybe that's what you're banking on that qualifies you. Maybe it's because you think you've been a good dad or you've been a good mom. Maybe you're like, oh, I can, I can do this because I'm a good employee or I'm a good boss. I treat my employees well. Maybe you're like what it says in verse 9, that actually you elevate yourself and you start to put down others. Maybe you actually come to the aspect where you're like, hey, I'm good enough or I'm qualified because I don't do this. I'm not like this mom or this dad. I'm not like this adulterer. I'm not like this person. And so in the process, you actually start to put down other people to qualify yourself. Maybe you you look down on others because they look different. Maybe you look down on others because they have a different lifestyle. Maybe you look down on somebody else because they have a different political view. Yeah, I said it. Because I think right now in Christianity across, especially the United States, this is what's dividing us right now. And that we have to realize that we have an aspect to love one another, and we have an aspect, like this parable is literally telling us to take a posture of humility. Why do we have to justify ourselves according to what somebody else is doing or, or isn't doing, or what political stance they take or you take? Why can't we just take an approach of humility? And I say we because I'm in this. There's so many times where I've been on Facebook and I just wanted to like blast somebody because of their opinion. 
And I read this this week, and I'm like, Lord, man, I need you because I can't do this. And I'll say this, the church would look a whole lot different if we took this parable and lived it out in our daily day life. We took a posture of humility like, the, like what he calls out in the tax collector. Regardless of what you think is right or wrong when somebody else's opinion, sweet, you can have your opinion. I don't need, I don't need to tell you you're wrong or I don't need to, to post my opinion on that. Great. Man, like what would that look like? But we see that what qualifies you is trusting in the, the mercy of God. Trusting the mercy that flows from the cross. But I want you guys to know that we trust in the mercies that flows from the cross, but I want you guys to understand what that cross looks like. Isaiah 52, 2 through 3, this prophet Isaiah describes the crucified Messiah and I, and I want, as I read this, just for you to picture the mercies that fall from the cross, the humility in what this looks like. Isaiah 50, 53, 2 through 3 says this. He had no form of majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and esteemed, and we esteem him not. Christ, by all appearances, Jesus was broken. On the cross, Jesus was defeated. He was beaten. He was bloodied. He was naked. He was, man, like, I just, like, I think about what, who Jesus was. That he was the Son of God. That he humbled himself enough on this earth because he knew he was going to be exalted in the next. I think they were like, man, we just need to be like Jesus in this. We need to be like the tax collector in this story, in this parable, that we just need to be humble enough. Humble enough for this short window of life that we have here. And because of that, we'll be, ex be able to be exalted. God's mercies will flow on us to be able to spend eternity in heaven with him. And I get that that's not easy. But we do need to take a posture of humility. We need to take a posture of humility and know, know that we don't always have the answers. We don't always know what to say. And that's okay. I think that came to a head for me over these last four to five weeks. As a, about a month ago, we saw on a lot of social medias, and it was videotaped, the, the killings of George Floyd. I've never seen a video like that ever. And as a 28-year-old man who grew up in a county with all white people, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I, it's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in this moment. But, but what, I, what I needed to do, and I, and I think... Pastor Jacob and our senior pastor, Pastor Chris Brooks, and their leadership and what they, what they ask of us as the church and the posture that we are supposed to take. A posture of learning, a posture of lamenting, and a posture of listening. A humble posture to understand, like, I don't have all the answers. I don't know what to say to really anybody in this moment. 
I don't know what to say to my black brothers and sisters that are, that are hurting, that, that have oppression on them daily. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say on the flip side of that where I have a brother-in-law who's a, a police officer. And so it's, it's, not like a, it's not like a black and white issue where it's like all, of them are, all police officers are bad. I don't, I don't know what to say. But what I've come to is I just have to be humble and know that I don't have the answers. And in my opinion, might offend somebody. But that's why I have to take the opinion of, of Jesus and what he's called us to do in this. And that's to be humble. The heart matters. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. Only the heart matters. Yes, I understand other things outside of that matter. Yes, your actions matter. But only your heart matters because that's the first thing that needs to matter. If your heart is not on the line, just like we saw in the Pharisee, nothing matters. Those actions that you do, the, how many times you fast, how many times you pray, all your church attendance, none of that matters if your heart doesn't matter. If your heart's not aligned with what God has called you to, to do, what he, where he's called you to be, then none of that matters. The heart matters. So are you approaching God this morning like the tax collector or the Pharisee? And I'm going to say this, there's no middle ground. You're like, ah, I feel like I do this with that aspect of my life, but this with that. There's no middle ground. If you're like one step off where the tax collector's at, you're associated with the Pharisees. He's not asking like, hey, do this with most of your life, and then like approach me this way with the rest of your life. He's not asking that. So how are you approaching this morning? My prayer is that we realize, confess that we're broken, that we're weak, that we're needy sinners, and that we come to Jesus and just say, God, I need your mercy. I'm a sinner. I don't have the answers. And because of that, we can go today and each day accepted by our God and creator and justified because of our heart. Let me pray. Father God, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are a God that, that loves us. God, that you are a God that loves us enough to send your son Jesus to be humbled, to be humiliated, to be beaten on a cross. But not to, just to stay there. That you exalted him in, in eternity forever. Father, I thank you for that. I thank you that we have that same opportunity this morning. If we don't know you, it, that we have the opportunity to trust in you for the very first time today. Father, and for some of us, and I know for me this week, it was realizing that only the heart matters. That I need to go back to, to following you and uh, confessing everything to you. To not hiding certain aspects of my life, but realizing just like the tax collector, I don't need to say anything else. God, I, I don't need to make excuses. I don't need to justify myself. God, that I only need you. I need your mercies today, Father. So I just thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together this week. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and to get you connected to the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself today.